Hello and welcome to Indie Incursion, an indie games podcast. And that's an indie games podcast, by the way. I feel like I need to just say the whole thing, just normally. You should. Indie. Indie. Incursion. Incursion. Like an invasion, but not, because that was taken. Yes. What? What a jerk that guy <laughs> is. Didn't he know that we were going to do this? Like, come on now. Honestly, the thing that annoys me most about it is that when I went to go make this, I looked up Indie Invasion, and it was like, it was supposed to be an Indie Games podcast. And I was like, oh, man, they got it. That was exactly what I wanted. And then I realized their most recent episode was about Red Dead 2. And I was like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> I was like, I know on occasion, like, I mean, more often than not, we do actually talk about, like, bigger AAA games on the podcast, but it's not the main focus, but that episode was literally about Red Dead 2. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, well known as an indie game. I don't know what you're talking about. That's as indie as it gets. I mean, really. It's just like that indie game Ski Rim. Like, it's, it's fucking, it's so small, nobody knows about it, but. It's true. Speaking of things you might not know about. Our podcast is actually about indie games. We're your weekly source of all the indie games news you need to know. This week, we're bringing you two awesome indie games news stories. But before we get into that, I'd like to introduce myself, Von Hyde, alongside my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average, Josh Boys. How you doing today, Big Josh Boy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How's it been, man? How's your week been so far? Uh, it's been decent. It's been a good week. Wow. I actually decent? okay. Why not great? So I mean, it's been a. I don't know why it's only been decent. I feel like I've been kind of off. I feel like mm. I've just been like missing something, you know? Um, missing me, baby. Maybe that's it. Maybe I just haven't haven't had enough Big Josh Boy in my life. That's true. Yeah, I'm sure. That, that's probably it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just excited to do this podcast. I'm excited to talk about some indie games play some more indie games i feel like maybe the reason that i'm a little bit off is because i not only bought but i also beat uh star wars jedi fallen order over the weekend and now i don't know i was just so excited about it now i've got like gotta fill that hole in your heart yeah i've got to find something to fill it with i am playing some other games at the moment uh one specifically i'm going to talk about in just a little bit but there's just something there. There's just like this hole, and now I've got to catch up. You know what I'm going to do since we said we are going to talk about this? I'm going to play a mm-hmm. lot of like the Game of the Year titles. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to catch up uh-huh. on all these indie games that I haven't played all year. There's a lot out there. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a shitload. Uh, so, Big Josh Boy, what have you been playing this week? What have you been doing? I'm not going to ask you a weird question this week. I was actually going to ask yeah, you I was gonna say, a question. It feels, it feels strange not just jumping or not actually kind of meandering around before answering the question of what have we been playing uh what is it it's only like three minutes into the podcast this is very unusual you it know should be like 11 in sounds like you really want this so i'm gonna ask you a question i've been thinking about recently <laughs> i'm perfect if there was i mean is there a single man on earth that you think just like immediately when you think about them you think big dick energy is there a single one <laughs> who would it be uh, whew, big dick energy. Uh, man, you know, I say this phrase a good amount, but for some reason I'm I'm drawing a blank here. Really? You I don't, don't just like, there's no guy that you like think about and you're like, man, that guy's got to have a huge donger. <laughs> I guess not. Really? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll give you some time to think about it while I give you All mine. Right. Mine is okay. John Krasinski. 
Okay? So right. I really enjoyed John, John Krasinski. I enjoyed him as Jim Halpert in The Office. Um, mm. And to do a lot of the stuff that Jim does and have all the awkward moments that he has, I feel like you got to have a pretty big hog, you know? You got to... <laughs> Like, I feel Jesus. like to be an actor in general, you pretty much have to because I'm like, I'm an insecure person, but I feel like if I just had like a 12 inch penis, I would be the most secure person ever. You know, you say that, but I know people who have, uh, or should have big dick energy, but, uh, <laughs> are like the most meek individuals. Uh, it all just depends. I feel yeah, like yeah. I guess uh, it's based on your insecurities, but more about John Krasinski. And this okay. is this is uh, so. I feel like I just wanted to talk about John Krasinski. That's probably why I brought this up. Mostly probably. the reason I feel like he accentuates big dick energy is because he's a sexy man. Okay, but <laughs> he's not a sexy man. Like, and this is gonna sound like an insult, but hold up, listen uh. for a sec. Okay. He's not a sexy man like a Chris Hemsworth, you know? You see okay. Thor Ragnarok and you're like, man, that guy is chiseled. He is like a Greek god. Also, think about big dick energy, but not <laughs> as big as John Krasinski. Because John Krasinski is like, he's a handsome man. But I don't think of him as Greek god material. I'm just like, man, he's a sexy dude. He's handsome. But... I feel like he's put above the rest because he has this big dick energy. He's just he mm. seems so dope and he's up here in this uh, like this upper echelon of sexy men out there because he's got this big dick energy. That's why I think that that's why I think he he's got that big donger, you know? I regret uh pushing you to ask a question <laughs> yeah you wish you would have just talked about pokemon instead i could have yeah that's a good transition so anyway <laughs> so i've been playing pokemon sword and shield uh and so here's the thing i personally have been i wouldn't say a pokemon like diehard but i generally enjoy the pokemon games i kind of fell out around i think it was emerald and then i haven't really played any of the others i've you know seen things and kind of kept up on a little bit and then i did play pokemon go for quite a bit it's probably because the rest of it is all downhill from emerald because that's the best pokemon suck it all right Fight we'll me. see then i i guess i uh, i picked the right uh, one to finally stop on um but granted regardless of preferences uh i decided to pick this one up because it's the first you know console console pokemon and you're like oh this has got to be crazy this is a big thing it's on the switch it's something that i actually have now because before i didn't have i think the latest console that you had for some of the latest pokemons so the 3ds I, was it the three i thought there was another one i don't know i i dropped off from i think i only had the ds i don't know if i had the 3ds yeah pokemon sun and moon uh and ultra sun and ultra moon came out on the 3ds Okay. Well, regardless, I just didn't get them. Uh, and this one I was actually pretty excited for, though. I was like, oh, it's been so long since I've actually played a Pokemon game. And personally, I don't care about the whole national Pokedex thing because I'm not really attached to any one specific Pokemon. I think it's fine that they only, you know, did like half of the Pokemon. Who cares? They'll make it up in another game. Whatever. Um... I think that what they did as far as improvements, and granted, I'm 
looking at this from a point of view of my last one was Emerald, is I think what they did from it was really enhanced just because very um, minor things that make a big difference. So things like when you're going through the world and you're actually running through the grass, they have like half of the Pokemon up in the uh, actual world itself. So you can see who you're going to effectively fight or try to catch. And you can also avoid them. Uh, the other half, they still make it kind of a RNG by having people hidden in the grass, but exclamation points will show up in the area that they're next to, and if you run away or go around them, you can avoid those enemies. So it's really nice because you have the freedom to choose, I want to actually engage in this battle or this you know, attempt to catch a Pokemon, which I really like because one of my things that I just like my pet peeves with a lot of RPG games is I don't like random encounters like at all. I really enjoy the fact that they changed that up. And I do enjoy the fact that there's still half of them are hidden because it makes like it gives it that that random element of still being uh, still giving that kind of chance or that random element to find something that's not specifically there. So it gives it a little bit of that enjoyment when you do get a Pokemon that's a little bit more rare and hiding in the grass. Um, so I think it gives the best of both worlds to players who want to experience it in a certain way. I think the actual gameplay for Pokemon is still the same where you can generally grind and then everything will be way too easy and you'll hit everything in one shot. That's, you know, that's fine. I don't think that's ever going to really change, um, which is whatever. Um, I really enjoyed that they're using double battles in a, a bit of it. I wish they would have pushed more of it because I actually do like the double battles, um, which meaning having two Pokemon fight two at the same time, so 2v2. Yeah, I've always thought the double battles were <clears throat> underutilized because they brought them up. I believe the first time that they had them was actually in the Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald generation, so that'd be the third generation of Pokemon. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's the earliest that I remember them, where you'd like encounter two trainers that actually battled as one, so you'd have, have to fight two Pokemon, so your first two spots were actually the ones that you fought with. I've always thought that they were super cool, and they actually made some interesting matchups, so you would have to worry about, if you were going into a double battle... You had to worry about possibly using, like, Surf because it hits everyone in an area. If you had, like, a Rock Pokemon, it would actually hurt them or a Fire Pokemon. So I've always thought Double Battles were really cool as well. And I'm glad to hear it's back in this one. But apparently, like you said, that there's not enough. Yeah, so, I mean, granted, it's a good amount. I just, I feel like they could have sprinkled it in in a lot of the random battles that you, you know how when you're walking through from one gym to the next, you'll generally have people who are just kind of standing out there just watching into the wild for no apparent reason and then yell at you and go like, it's time for a Pokemon battle. So there was a lot of just one person doing that, but then there were occasionally, like, uh, I think it was like three or four times that, it was a double battle. There were some interactions in the storyline where you would do double battles where I think it would have made sense to have it more. Um, one of the... I, I did enjoy one thing about the gyms is each gym has their own unique twist on a gym challenge that you have to go about. And uh, the last one that you go to, you have to do just all double battles, which I enjoyed. 
So they do have a good amount of it, but I, I definitely think they could have utilized it more, especially because it really sucks that there's some moves as you're going through the story that just will never apply to the Pokemon you have because it's just like, oh, this is like really tailored to double battles and doesn't come up fairly often at all. So I don't want it. Um, but I mean, that's just kind of how it is. There's different balances and different times that you would use a certain Pokemon or certain moves, whatever. I, I still think it could have been done a little bit differently. I, I do think that the gyms were really fun. Um, some were more fun than others and some were just kind of weird. Uh, but I, I think what they did with having a twist on each one was enjoyable. They had one that was really strange where you would basically, it was kind of like, uh, a, that one game where you have like a ball that starts up at the top and hits, uh, different pegs and goes downwards and you would have to spin the Joy-Con in a certain way to move your, uh, basically like you're sitting in a teacup that would have to roll around. It was very strange. It sounds so um, fucking weird. Is it really was some of the some of the gym challenges were very strange, but it goes into this whole story of like it's basically you uh, in this area and they do what's known as a gym challenge, which is like this triathlon of not triathlon but like whatever eight athlon is uh, ocho athlon. I don't know, <laughs> that's right at all. Um, but anyway, so they basically go through this marathon of running from gym to gym to gym. And it's like this big, uh, event that happens at a certain time and you have to be invited to even be a part of it. And so you go through it. And the thing that I don't like about this, uh, story of Pokemon and kind of why it's holding me back is I really don't have any interest in the storyline of it at all. They have this like two separate stories going on at the same time. There's one where it's, the Dynamaxing of Pokemon, they try to put this emphasis on something's happening and you're not really too sure what's going on, um, but there's a lot of uh, interest from the mayor who's in charge of the town, who's worried and nervous about something and something about creating the energy in the town. Um, you have these random uh, explosions that are happening in the city uh, every so often and Dynamax Pokemon that are showing up. And then... Besides that, you then just have you going through this gym, you know, challenge, this gym, uh, tri I'm going to use the word again, triathlon. It would be an octathlon, by the way. Octathlon? Yeah, eight. It just doesn't sound good, though. I don't, I don't like it. I mean, it's anyway. like, maybe it's like octathlon. Octathlon? So you go on this octathlon, <laughs> and it's really just, it's just, you know, going from gym to gym. There's no, like, real threat. Because you, every time something comes up threatening, you're basically this kid and all the adult people are just like, don't worry about it. Just keep doing the gym challenge. That's what's important. And it's like, okay, but like, I'd rather just know what's happening over there because, you know, the, the gym challenge is going to happen regardless in this game. Like, why don't you give me more of that information? And then like, they don't even have a team rocket in this game. They call them team yell. And they're literally just fans of someone who's in the gym challenge. And they're just trying to be assholes and stop everyone else from participating so that their person can make it all the way to the finals. So there's like no evil, like background of something like no one's trying to really stop you in the same sense of like team rocket of taking over the world. Like it's not drastic at all. It's just like, Oh, there's a bunch of assholes over there and they're causing a ruckus. That's yeah, about it. I mean, I I haven't played Sword or Shield yet, um, but I actually like the 
the fact that like this one might not have it because it's gotten pretty old that every generation has had and I don't think every generation has I don't think Sun and Moon did um, but every generation has had this like maniacal group that's just trying to fuck up the world with a legendary Pokemon and it's like okay dude how how does one of these exist in every region come on like are there I mean, no police are anywhere <laughs> no they're definitely police you fight them yeah uh, they just don't do anything times. It's like, come on, dude. It's fucking annoying. <laughs> Have you ever actually heard the fan theories about Pokemon? Uh, I mean, maybe. I don't know. So there's like Which this theories? really cool fan theory about Pokemon that the reason there aren't many adults is actually because a war broke out and most of them died. Mm. So that's why like uh, it's mostly inhabited by children. It's like pretty rare that you come across adults. And when you do, they're like fucking I, I believe the this fan theory actually comes from like the the red, um, the red, green, blue, the first generation because right. of uh, I forget his name. The electric gym leader, he's like a sergeant and people are like, oh, so there is some sort of military. And then it kind of branched um, off into this whole like warring thing. It's it's a really cool fan theory though. I think it's awesome. Interesting. And it would also would, explain why fucking fifteen year old kids are going around the world fighting people. Yeah, I would say that's not something that would lend itself to, or at least this game wouldn't lend itself to that theory, just because there's a lot of like older individuals and not just the old old people. Um, <laughs> the old old people, the boomers. The bo- okay boomer. <laughs> Uh, so, so I, I don't know. That's an interesting theory, but it's definitely not one that would really be played into this. Regardless, I, I had fun with it. Like I'm, I've already gotten all of the gym badges. I'm at the end part of it, like, uh, defeating the champion and doing the cup. But so far I've had a good time. I just, I think that definitely the story could have been done better. And I really hate that there's no voice acting in this game. And I don't know why it pisses me off so much because, Obviously, I play games where there's not, and there's, you know, I'm fine with it. But something about the fact that this is the Pokemon expansion that was supposed to be like the bigger thing coming here, I would have enjoyed them having real voice acting in it. Or at least I would have liked them to have, and I know this is going to be weird, but some kind of noise when the text rolls across. Because instead, it's just completely silent. I was actually going to ask you if there was, because this was something that came up on the most recent episode of uh, Active Quest, where Chris said that he did not like games that don't have anything. Like, not even the the little... I wanted the... Like, it just seemed so uncanny that there was nothing there. And because the way they do it where you have to click the button during the, the talk sequences, it just replays that animation over and over again of them just kind of like opening their mouth and just chomping at air because they're not actually, you know, animating their mouth in a way that looks normal. So it just, it's so jarring. And I was just like, I don't like this at all. And so half of the time I can't even pay attention to it. And I'm just trying to scroll through faster and faster because those cutscenes mean nothing to me. Plus, oh man, your rival, the guy who's with you, Jesus, is he annoying. Oh my God, I've heard that he's super annoying. I'm so glad that you think that too. (laughs) Worst. He is the worst, dude. I hate him with a passion. Every time he shows up, I'm always like, I'm going to one-shot every single one of your Pokemon. I'm going to use like the same Pokemon each time. And you're going to say the same garbage about like, wow, looks like you know about Pokemon movesets and type advantages. And wow, oh man, that was a close one. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, okay, 
that's another thing. I I'll, I'll stop after this, but literally those speech bubbles during battles are so annoying. They gotta cut that shit out. <laughs> the fact that the gym leaders, when they like get attacked, will say something, or your rival will say something while you're playing, is so just it. it I I can't even describe how it just upsets the pace of that game in you just being in this battle and then all of a sudden being like, oh, let's have a cutscene where I talk to you about one thing. The seventh gym leader, which is this, uh, basically the dark gym leader, he talks every time he throws a Pokemon, like almost halfway through, he'll say at least something when they're attacking, like every two seconds, he's got something to say. And it was so annoying. I was like, can we just get over with this battle? Like, I'm gonna beat you, like, stop. Stop talking about this every goddamn time. It was too much. So just to clarify, you're playing shield, right? Because from what I understand, the leaders are actually different between sword and shield. Yeah, so uh, I know specifically there is a fighting on uh, sword and on shield. There is a uh, ghost one. I don't know. I think there's another... (laughs) Yeah, I think there's another difference. I picked shield because I wanted the ghost... Uh, gym leader to fight against. And I also picked Shield because I wanted that Galarian Ponyta. You know what I'm saying? Really? I'm picking Shield because I want Tyranitar. Oh, no, no, no. no. It's all about that Ponyta. What, and then uh, when it turns into Rapidash, dude, it looks so... Uh, that's some big dick energy right there. Look at its face <laughs> when it's walking around. That Rapidash, like, he... He knows. You're like, there's no man on earth that makes me think big dick energy, but Rapidash, Galarian Rapidash, that's Yo, it, dude. When you, if you get it, when you see what Rapidash, the the look that Rapidash gives you, you'll know exactly what I mean. I'm gonna have to look this up. Galarian <laughs> Rapidash. <laughs> He's got swagger. Uh, okay, I've talked about Pokemon for way too long. I want to go to an actual indie game since uh, we just, you know attack that one podcast about going off on red dead 2 for too long so let's talk about some indie stuff this is some big um, dick energy it's like glaring you, i'm like you see, you see what i mean yeah it's like yeah this fucking annoyed as shit like <laughs> unicorn that's like why the fuck are you by me like get the fuck yeah. out of here <laughs> i love it okay anyway. go on to the legend of bumbo <laughs> okay so yes legend of bumbo so for those who are fans of the Binding of Isaac world, you will possibly like this one. Um, Legend of Bumbo is created by the same person, Ed Mc- Ed- Edmund McMillan, who developed um, the Binding of Isaac, but it has no gameplay similar to the Binding of Isaac. The world is similar and the drawing is similar, um, but it plays in this really, really weird way. So the best way that I could describe it um, is essentially you play Candy Crush. And the first part is matching certain elements, and it's obviously real gross because it's in the world of Binding of Isaac. So you're matching instead of, you know, candy, you're matching poops, pee, bones, uh, boogers, and what's the other one? Doesn't matter. Anyway, so, oh, teeth. Oh my god, dude, this is fucking terrible. This is why I don't play Ed McMillan's games, because of this fucking shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, you essentially play Candy Crush matching those items, and then your character will have abilities that use those collected uh, 
items that like those uh, teeth or the poop that you connect, you collect those and you're able to use abilities based on how many of those you've connected. So it plays in this weird way where you have the first half of a round being Candy Crush time. And then the second is you play kind of like a game of chess. It's like a uh, the enemies are slowly walking towards you during their turn. They have a certain amount of movements. And they'll then randomly attack you, and you have to use things. So every time you match something, you get a basic attack, which is if you match four bones or more together, you'll get to throw a bone at the enemies. If you match four poops together, uh, you'll get to place a poop in front of the uh, enemies, which will shield you, basically, from one attack. What? If you get get (laughs) boogers, four boogers, you'll get to throw it at them and basically stick them into one area for one turn. And then you also have those abilities. So based on you connecting like four bones, you might have a move that if you have connected six bones, so you do that either twice or you connect six at a a time, based on you collecting those, you can then use that ability to do something like uh, one of them, the most basic, is just called whack. And it's literally you just attack someone with a big club and hit them. However, you might do stuff like you randomly change a certain tile or you randomly change an area to um, change the tiles of one specific type to have more of them or to get rid of all of those tiles, which then make the Candy Crush part easier for you to match things to then do more of your abilities and more of those uh, different things like collecting the boogers and bones and attacking people. And it's really weird and convoluted in the way that I'm describing it. In You kind of just have to like almost play it to really get a feel for it because me rambling about it doesn't do it justice because it is a weird system. Like I haven't really seen this because it kind of puts two games into one. Um, but it, and at first I was, I was very off put. I was like, I don't want to play candy crush. Like I want something more like the binding of Isaac again, but it, it actually was pretty fun. And it has the same kind of roguelike mechanics where you have different characters with different abilities, different stats, and you go into each run uh, playing the levels and getting random encounters that are specific to the specific level that you're on. And after each world, you have a boss that you fight at the end of it, which is also randomly generated, just like the Binding of Isaac world. And then at the end of that, you get to upgrade yourself with an ability and gamble money that you collect in the run to make yourself stronger for that run. So it has a lot of the same elements, but it is just a drastically different mechanic that changes this game entirely. Um, But at the same time, if you like the Binding of Isaac world and that kind of humor and just aesthetics, it still has a lot of that. Um, It's still... I won't say witty because it's obviously very like crash humor. Yeah, it's like crude um, humor. Yeah, it's it, it can be very blunt at times, but it's I think it's still interesting and I enjoy it. So it was something that I picked up. If you're a fan of the series or of that type of uh, you know work, I think you could possibly enjoy this. But it is a highly different mechanic. Um, that being said, if you like more puzzle games, this is actually probably the entrance into this world that you could do as opposed to Binding of Isaac, which is a super hard, you know, roguelike. 
Yeah, it's like a like an isometric shooter. Yeah. So this does the same thing of having that mechanic where as you're going through, you know, you'll if you die, you have to start all over from the beginning, but it gives you a lot more room for error because you can sit there and think about your moves. You can sit there and think about how am I going to use my abilities? Which, you know, items am I going to connect? Because you have a certain limited uh, amount of moves to match pieces together. So there's a lot in it that I think is done well. It's really weird, but I honestly enjoyed myself a lot more than I thought I would. I have to say, um, I really respect developers like Ed McMillan or like Image and Form developers that consistently make different games, like different genres. Like uh, mm-hmm. initially, I mean, Ed McMillan has made a bunch of different stuff. Like right. he made this weird like fucking browser based game about a penis shooting stuff. It was like so weird. Um, yeah, he's a he's a strange dude. <laughs> yeah, he he's made some interesting stuff. Uh, you should actually watch Indie Game the movie if you haven't. Um, I haven't. Yeah, it's actually really good. It's a documentary that follows several indie games creators. It follows uh, Ed McMillan and the team meet. It follows Phil Fish uh, during the development of Fez. Um, mm. It like has several cameos from different developers. It's really good. I'd recommend it. And then they also have like a follow-up that's uh, like indie game the movie after or something like that or after indie game the movie um that's like what has happened to them since their games have released and they've received all this popularity it's really good but uh yeah ed mcmillan has made like his most recent three games as far as i know were a platformer a like a a super grueling platformer which would be super meat boy a like isometric uh like shooter a roguelike shooter which it would be binding of isaac and then the legend of bumbo which is just a combination of a bunch of different genres it reminds me a lot of like image and form how they have made so many different steamworld games and so many different genres but seem to be doing well for themselves it's kind of interesting it's like instead of following a genre you're following a developer because you like their personality i think that's really really cool yeah, I mean, it really does speak to that just because, uh, I mean, and especially for him, it just seems like he's working on whatever interests him at the time because, you know, it's pretty much just him. Yeah, so and he just does whatever I, he wants. He's like, this is my humor. This is the game I want to make. And he's not worried about making it for a wide audience. Yeah, well, I mean, which is great because, you know, I enjoy that uh, that world that he's built. Uh and although I didn't think this game would work, it, I mean, I was impressed. I think he did a great job. It's really strange that it works, but it, it does. That's awesome. I'm definitely not going to check it out. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not just, for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really actually like his art style. His just fascination with poop and fucking boogers, vagina monsters, dead fetuses. Like, there's, he is an interesting guy. I will. Yeah. That's it's, the least I could say. I do really enjoy Super Meat Boy, and I like that aesthetic, but that is yeah. much more, like, tempered down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that eases you into it. No, it was actually really funny because I was on, uh, like, Discord with a bunch of friends talking about this game. Like, I was kind of just there hanging out and playing the game while they were doing something else, and I kept being like, Oh god, I gotta match the poop. Oh, I gotta. Oh, I got. I need more piss. I need like saying weird, weird stuff like that. And they were like, "What are you playing?" Yeah, you just sound like a crazy person. 
I, yeah. <laughs> I need more poop. <laughs> uh, for me, the the first game I want to talk about playing has nothing to do with poop, so don't worry. It's uh, it's Sparklight. It is a... Um, it's kind of interesting. So it is an action game, an action roguelike isometric game, similar to uh, people have compared it to earlier Legend of Zelda games because the like isometric view and how it's kind of like it has a very similar combat style where it's just you've got like a couple quick swipes and some quick slashes. You've got a large like overhead slash that does a lot more damage, but these are all done with a wrench because it's all in this kind of world based on gears and stuff like that. It's it's really, really cool. Um, I like it so far. I have played probably uh, four or five hours. I got it as a review copy from the developers, so take this with a grain of salt. I meant to have my review out uh, a while ago, but I got sidetracked because I'm just terrible at time. I played a lot <laughs> of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which I'm going to talk about next. Um, I actually wanted to talk about Sparklight last week, but the the embargo was actually at like 1 p.m., and I didn't want to release the episode at 1. So I was like, I'll just talk about it next week. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I really, really like its art style. It's this beautiful pixel art. It looks really, really nice. Um, I like its soundtrack. Its music is kind of interesting. It doesn't have as large of a like a soundtrack as I had hoped. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of just like the same stuff over and over again, which doesn't really, which I don't really mind. But if you're a big like soundtrack and music guy, That'll probably be something that you won't like. Um, the interesting thing about it, though, is that I've heard roguelike explained. Uh, they've said roguelike multiple times, but this is not like your standard roguelike. It is actually much more of, I want to say, like a mix between a roguelike and a Metroidvania because you go through and you actually gain new abilities in each section by going through these temples that then allow you to create new gadgets and then you use these gadgets to get into other areas. But unlike a roguelike, it is not entirely random, um, which I expected it to be. Every time you go up to, like, your main hub city, which is in the sky, um, it's called, like, the Refuge, I believe, and then you come back down every time between the two of those, which the only way, as far as I know, to leave is actually to die. But luckily, when you die, unlike other roguelites, you actually just drop whatever, uh, whatever, like, handheld stuff you have, whatever kind of... I, forget, I think they're called widgets, which are, mm. like, certain power-ups and, like, bombs and stuff like that. You still keep your gadgets and you keep your currency, which is really cool. Um, I actually like that because it has this constant sense of progression. But mm-hmm. when you come back down, everything is in the same place roughly. Um, maps are slightly shifted, so you can't follow the same path to each side of the map as you'd want to. But... Each place is in the same place. So uh, there's like, le- instead of a normal roguelike where the the map is entirely shifted, you don't know where you're going to go. Instead, when you open up your map, you know that to the right is, I believe it's called the Great Wood. I'm not 100% sure. It's the second area where the second boss is. Um, and then to the left, there's another area. And it's kind of weird um, because there are certain, like, there's certain power-ups, certain abilities that you can get. Um, 
I forget what they're actually called, but they're basically just new power-ups that you get that you can slot into your wrench, so they're constantly there. Um, I currently have several to increase my health. Um, one to increase the amount of energy I have, which allows you to use your gadgets. And I have one that will reveal all boss locations and one that will reveal all basically like the temples. Um, but there are certain ones like I got one from a random villager for helping him find his sister, which he and his sister constantly lose each other. And I'm like, dude, I swear to God, you come down here again and lose your sister. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Like it's <laughs> really starting to bother me because you just constantly find these two people and you just do the same thing over and over again. And then they give you a new like little upgrade that you can then slot into your wrench. It's super annoying. But so I found them the first time and then they gave me a like this power up that would allow me to always see where the entrance of one area is. And I. I understand that that would be nice because then you wouldn't have to worry about finding your way through the first area because there are like multiple. It's kind of hard to explain. There are several different sections of the map that are different areas in general. Um, mm -hmm. One being like the Greenlands, one being the Great Wood. I'm not 100% sure if these are their names, but when you transition between them, you have to find the correct path to go all the way down to them because some paths are blocked and most of your map is actually shaded over with a cloud. So you have to go in and out to see if you can go left, right, up, down, whatever. So I got a power-up that would allow me to see the entrance to this place. But since they're always on the same section of the map, I already know roughly where I have to go. So if mm. I got one that told me where the Great Wood was, I would be like, I already know it's to the right. So that is literally unnecessary. I just have to <laughs> go down the right side of my map and I will find it. Like no matter what, I've never right. failed to do so. Unless it won't let me go down and then I just go to like the left and then I go right again. It's as easy mm -hmm. as that. Um, it's a shame. So far, I think Sparklight is a lot of fun. It has, a, and I don't know if this is an issue for most people. I've just actually heard it being brought up like in uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. When you die to respawn, you have like 15 to like 30 second respawn times. Um, hmm. In Sparklight, it seems to be a consistent 12 seconds um, loading screens between different areas. And I have actually, wow. like, That's I've a sat there. Yeah, it can be a little long. Um, I have like sat there and counted the entire time several times just to make sure it's constantly right. 12 seconds, um, which is a little weird because it's like 12 seconds on the dot and oh, it's strange, uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but there is one bug that is so fucking annoying that I feel like I don't want to play this game anymore. So wow. I have beaten the first boss, which this game is not exceptionally difficult. That's actually another issue that I kind of have with it is that there's not a large enemy variety. There's probably like four to five, maybe six enemies in each of the, the two first areas. I haven't gotten to the later areas, so maybe it changes then. But in the two first mm -hmm. areas, there's like five to six enemies and that's it. Like, you'll always run into them every time you go to the next part of, like, this specific area, this next little puzzle piece, those are going to be the enemies you fight. So you know exactly how to beat them. It's not like, oh, maybe this one's ranged, this one does this. They're always the exact same. So... Hmm. 
there'll be like different mix-ups like oh this one has three slimes in a boar but the slimes do fucking nothing they don't even try to attack you and <laughs> the boar just like runs after you but you know if you do one heavy swing you can kill it right away so it doesn't matter so the difficulty is like non-existent until you get to the bosses which is they're much harder because they're bosses um right the first boss i didn't find exceptionally hard because you basically just have to dodge his attacks and then beat the shit out of him the second boss which i'm on now i have actually found incredibly hard because he <laughs> has four legs that you have to hit enough to turn off these lights and then he opens up another light in his chest that you can then hit to do damage to him so i cannot damage him unless i hit all four of these legs that sounds like a perfectly doable challenge i have no problem with that my issue is there's a bug that i and i don't know how frequent it is but it has happened to me yesterday i played maybe two hours and it happened to me over six times in two hours wow where when you die it does this weird ass thing where the game basically screams at you. <laughs> what? Yeah, it has this audio bug that is exceptionally loud that when you die, it just like screams at you. And it's so fucking jarring. It 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 gets me every time. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like <laughs> and it was exceptionally weird because the first time I died in the game, it happened. And I was like, mm. does this happen every time? Um, this is fucking annoying. I won't play this game if it happens every time. Died the next time, it didn't. I was like, okay. So I kind of thought it was just my TV or PlayStation 4. And then I kept playing and it happened again. And I was like, what the fuck? So I actually captured the like game and I went into my, like, you can, you have like a capture gallery on PS4. Um, so right. I watched the video that I had and it actually recorded it. And I was like, this is something that happens in game and it's this really fucking annoying bug so i'm planning on doing a video review for this on my own like personal youtube channel and i'm thinking about doing the opening with the help of my friend chase because he actually brought this up to me because he thought it would be funny the opening of just literally like a collage of all of the times this has fucking yeah. happened to me because <laughs> i'm not even joking in my entirety playing this game and i probably put in like four to five maybe six hours this has happened to me over 10 times damn yeah that's pretty crazy it just consistently keeps happening and i'm like what the fuck is happening with this game i initially thought it was something that they fixed in a patch because i started playing uh again like i i had put it down for like a day or two came back and started playing again but it doesn't have online features so when it starts to download it doesn't force you to do the download before you play right. so i had just i was like you know what i'm just gonna play whatever saw the download was done and this kept happening to me so i was like I'm going to install that update just in case that fixes this. I installed it. It, it seemed to have happened more often now. And I'm like, Damn. what the fuck is happening? <laughs> that blows. It's so weird. And I don't know if it's happening on any other consoles or if it's just on PS4. But Chase, when I told him about this, actually looked up several reviews and people had the exact same problem. But oh, I didn't get to see what, like, what platform they were playing on. So... Be prepared. If you play Sparklight, it is a good game, but it has the most annoying fucking audio bug I've ever heard in my life. It's so egregious. It's literally like somebody screaming at you in your face. 
It's Jesus. so weird. Um, the other game I've been playing is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I don't want to get too into it, but I love it. I think it's great. Um, it's definitely not a perfect game. There are a lot of bugs that mm. it has that are often hilarious. Uh, animal fur looks like spaghetti. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. It was <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, because the Wookiees are entirely fur, which basically just makes them look like spaghetti monsters, and it's hilarious. Um, and they all have Chewbacca's voice which is so funny uh there's a lot to love about this game i love this story i love cal kestis as a character by the end in the beginning he's kind of a bitch he gets way better (laughs) he gets way better at the end um there's a lot to love about this game i love the action i love the lightsabers i love the uh, metroidvania elements but there are of course bugs i had several bugs in it where during cutscenes my lightsaber blade would actually disappear and (laughs) the hilt would not be held in their hand so it would just be like floating off to the side and then he would be like blocking but there's nothing there so it's like this is fucking weird like yeah that's so it completely would take me out of cutscenes that were meant to be really important they're like oh my god you're about to beat this big badass and then it's like i don't have a lightsaber (laughs) just gotta use your mind yeah it's so weird uh speaking of using your mind the force powers are so fucking cool once you unlock them it makes you feel so cool and it's very limited to the ones that you can get you actually only get two force powers for the most part um it's not like the force unleashed where you have an excessive amount this one Mm -hmm. is much more based on the lightsaber combat it's a really good game. I'm not going to get too far into it. I would absolutely recommend playing it. I'm going to talk about it more in this next story. I'm just letting you know because okay. it annoys me that it's not included, but whatever. Before we get into the you news, though, I did want to do some quick housekeeping because I forgot to do it in the beginning, talking about way too much big dick energy. John Krasinski, mm-hmm. sexy man, once again. Uh, housekeeping, we actually went on another podcast called the Classic oh, yeah, Games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it Classic Gaming or Classic Games Podcast? Uh, I'm fairly certain. Classic Gaming? Yeah. Right, let me double check. I'm fairly certain it's Classic Gaming Podcast. I actually have it on my podcast app and listened to several episodes, but for some reason I got mixed up between games and gaming. But we went on their podcast and did. Uh, gaming. Yeah. Yes. Classic Gaming. Classic Gaming Podcast. They're also part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. They're two really awesome guys. You got Robert and you got Jay. They're super into classic games. They're super funny. I would absolutely recommend listening to that episode because we cool. They cool. You know? Equal opportunity, I guess. I don't know. It was a lot of fun. Double cool. Yeah, it was a super fun crossover. Um, And it goes for four fucking hours. So... It is a long one, so much that I fucking dipped halfway through. (laughs) Yeah, to be fair, it is much later for Josh when we started recording that. For me, it was only 8 o'clock. For Josh, it was 10. So (laughs) by the time we were done, for me, it was midnight. For Josh, it would have been fucking like 3 a.m. So (laughs) I'm actually pretty sure it would be 2 a.m. But still. (laughs) It was okay. You don't know how time works. Yeah. I, uh, time zones are fucking dumb, dude. I'm just going to say it right now. I hate them. There's stupid daylight savings time. Garbage. But uh, speaking of some garbage, let's talk about our first 
article. Um, wow, damn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The article is not garbage. I actually am really excited about this and have a lot to talk about. So our first article is over on GameSpot. It is written by Jeremy Winslow, and it is the Game Awards 2019 nominees full list. Um, so I'm not actually going to read the articles. I The article itself, I pretty much, because mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, most of it is just shouting out to their reviews of these games. So I feel like I don't need to do that. Um, but GameSpot does do some good reviews. So check them out. They do a good job. Mm -hmm. Um, but for game of the year, we have remedies control death stranding by Kojima productions, super smash bros ultimate by Bandai Namco and Nintendo, um, resident evil Two remake, which is by Capcom Sekiro shadows die twice from software and the outer worlds which is by obsidian the outer worlds not outer wilds just to make that a hundred percent different i feel like i just need to say that so game of the year big deal star wars jedi fallen order (laughs) do you mean (laughs) do you mean that in like uh whatever big deal no like i mean it's actually a big deal because the game awards are a big they're a big thing they're they're a spectacle Everybody watches them pretty much. If there's, like, sure, I I think a large portion of the gaming audience actually skips out on the Dice Awards. I don't think a lot of them watch the Dice Awards. I don't think a lot of them watch a lot of different awards, like, shows. There's, mm-hmm. But there's mm-hmm. one that we pretty much all watch, and it is the Game Awards. Because it's awesome. Let's be real. Jeff Keighley does an amazing job. I will say the other day, I felt so uncomfortable because I spelled his name wrong in a tweet. And I was Oops. I was offended Rough. that I did it. <laughs> so You should have been. <laughs> but the Game jerk. Awards is awesome. Um, there is something to be said about the like shameless promotion that's done in it, which is hilarious. Like having yeah. the Gillette Man. That's hilarious. And one of the categories later is sponsored by Subway. (laughs) It's so fucking weird. But Game of the Year contenders, we've yeah got Control, Death Stranding, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Resident Evil 2, Secure Shadows Die Twice, and The Outer Worlds. The reason that Game of the Year is so weird is because Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is in there when it was actually released in 2018. I know. I thought that was super strange. So the reason that it is is actually because there's a cutoff date, which is... It's in November versus being at the entire end of the year because the Game Awards actually airs in uh, it actually airs in December, which this year it's on December 12th. Um, it's the Game Awards is set to go live on at 5:30 p.m. Uh, PT slash 7:30 p.m. Uh, CST 8:30 p.m. ET on December 12th and 1:30 a.m. BST on December 13th. I don't know what BST means. I don't. I don't know big what shit time. All right, big shit time. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, it's going live on December 12th. Uh, last year's Game Awards was really, really awesome. This year, um, I'm a little bit upset that... So Super Smash Bros. Ultimate was actually after the cutoff from last year. So it didn't release in a certain time frame, which I believe mm. was like November 15th was actually the cutoff date for when uh, games could be submitted this year. For like your nominees. Um, So Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was not actually nominated because it released on the 15th and not enough of the game's personalities that would nominate actually had played the game because review copies did not go out till like super close to launch. So nobody had enough of an opinion to actually nominate it. They missed their opportunity because there's no way 
they're going to compete with what's coming out. I know. That's my problem, is that they can go next year, which is super annoying. So this, I feel like, really helped Nintendo with Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I feel like they're going to win a lot of these categories. Yeah. So Super Smash Bros. Ultimate last year would have gone up against God of War, Spider-Man, freaking Red Dead Redemption 2. There is no way that it would have won. But in a year where we haven't necessarily had these massive, massive titles, we have had big titles, but not things that just blew you out of the water. None that were a consensus, Mm -hmm. like, this is game of the year. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, a lot of people have played this fucking game, dude. Like, (sighs) people, like, uh, Control, Divisive. Death Stranding, Divisive, Resident Evil 2, seemingly a lot of people really enjoy it. Sekiro, a lot of people enjoy it. Outer Worlds, also a lot of people enjoy it. But if we're being honest, the one game that probably every single person has played that's going to vote is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because like, this is one of the things we kind of talked about and you mentioned early into the podcast is uh, I honestly have not played a lot of these games for like 2019. Yeah. I, I've played a lot of indie games, but I really haven't played a lot of the big titles other than from the Nintendo side of things. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, to kind of get my point across with Jedi Fallen Order, it's getting it kind of fucked itself. Um, it yeah. really sucks that the game was released on the day that this was all closed. Um, it seems like the developer may have been asking. Um, I'm not saying that this is like what happened. But it seems like the developer was kind of asking people to nominate it based on if they liked it in their previews that they had done, which Mm. kind of shows the integrity of games journalists that seemingly none of them did because saying a game should be game of the year based on preview coverage is not great considering they only got to pay like three hours of a roughly like 15 to 20 hour game. So. There's no way that it should have been nominated, but this is a really shitty situation. It's going to get destroyed next year. There's no way that that game is even in talks for Game of the Year, I don't think. It's going to be like... I don't think so either. Yeah, it's going to be a Xenoblade Chronicles 2 thing. Where, like... Yeah. There, I mean, Xenoblade kind of got fucked either way because it either was released with, like... It either would have been contending with Breath of the Wild and, like, Persona 5 or and Horizon Zero Dawn or... It would have been competing with God of War in all of those titles. So it was pretty much shafted no matter what. But <laughs> Jedi Fallen Order is getting the short end of the stick. It sucks. But which game do you think is actually going to win Game of the Year here? Game of the Year? Uh, oof. So, I mean, I'm kind of torn because I, I agree with you from the Super Smash Brothers perspective that I feel like there's a lot of people who just enjoy this game and will pick it by default because 2019 has been so i don't want to use the term lackluster in the sense of them not being good games but it's just been calm yeah it's it's definitely this is the year where it's like the calm before the storm uh there's been a lot of good games but there hasn't been anything that's been so pronounced like a god of war or red dead 2 where there's just so many people who are like this is the perfect game kind of a mentality um I don't think the Outer Worlds can do it because I really enjoyed it and I liked it, but I don't think it's, like, a perfect game. Um, Sekiro, I feel like that is tough because it it depends on the person. Like, that's a very... You have to feel like... You have to be a fan of the Souls-like type 
Um, Death Stranding, uh, I don't know. There's there's a lot of back and forth with that. And Control, I feel like, fell under the radar. So honestly, I think it's really up to Super Smash and Resident Evil 2. Really? I think it's between Resident Evil 2 and Sekiro. Mm, interesting. Yeah, because a lot of people really, really enjoyed Sekiro. Um, and I think Resident Evil 2 is going to get it. I think that will be game of the year. I should mm-hmm. say, how do you feel about the whole relationship with Jeff Keighley and Kojima and his game being nominated? To be fair, Jeff Keighley, one, does not vote. And two, the way that these are actually nominated is by like consensus in the games industry. So people, right. they reach out to people who are going to be judges, which does not include Jeff Keighley by the way, from what I understand, um, they reach out to them, they nominate the games, and then the ones that get the most nominations become the few. So how do you feel about that? Because people have had issues with it, and people have said like, oh, this is going to be a big deal if it wins Game of the Year. It shouldn't be. Let's be real. Well, first off, I don't think it will anyway. Um, Yeah, me neither. But regardless, if it did, I don't see it as an issue. I think it is a little like... It's a little iffy, but as long as it's, you know, confirmed that he is out of the process, um, then I don't see it as a problem. Like, he's just the host. Yeah, he's obviously behind a lot of it, but if he has nothing to do with the process of who actually wins and is just the one who's, you know, pushing the whole, hey, this is the person who gets it then I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, he's the... From what I understand, um, I have heard, and I've only heard this, like, secondhand, like, on a podcast, but I've heard he actually kind of stepped back from this year's Game Awards for this specific reason. Um, but mm. he pretty much just, like, he sets them... He sets up the Game Awards, and he hosts it. He does a lot for it because it's a massive right. event. But Right, of course. Yeah, there's, it, it seems like he does not actually have sway on whether or not these games win but i'm i'm gonna say once again right i think resident evil 2 gets it people are going to be annoyed yeah. because it's a remake but it is a remake not a remaster it's more of a different game than the first one so right. that's why i think it'll get it uh so for best game direction they have controlled death stranding resident evil 2 sekiro and outer wilds uh i think that's awesome that the outer wilds is actually in best game direction yeah, so that's one of the things that I think is interesting is we talk a lot about indie games not being like in the forefront other than when we say, hey, best indie game. But there's actually a good amount in Game of the Year. Obviously, that's always one of those things where we never really see them except for like Celeste last year. But in a lot of these categories, there's at least one or more uh, of indie titles you know things like the outer wilds here things like a plague tale down below and disco elysium like there's a lot of actually not you know just main fledged titles here and i don't know if that's just because like we alluded to this year has been a little bit of a lull but also it's technically good signs that hey you know other teams are getting noticed yeah yeah i'm actually However much I do hate the fact that we segregate indie games and I do actually have I, I'm wondering if you, I, this is definitely like a conspiracy theory. I will say okay. this is not founded on any real, like any, anything real, but it seems like indie games for the most part are like not on the forefront of people's minds when they nominate for game of the year. Instead, they're held for indie game of the year because there is a specific section for them. So, mm. and that's like, like I'm saying that is completely just uh, like out 
out of nowhere. Um, and, but I'm not saying that because people just think, oh, indie games should go in their own section, whereas Game of the Year should be for AAA games. I'm saying that because it seems like not enough people within the games industry actually get their hands on these indie games. Like, exposure is such an issue that when it comes to nominating them, they don't know to actually nominate it for Game of the Year because not enough people played them. So... Right. That's kind of a problem. But yeah, we got the best game direction, uh, best narrative. We got A Plague Tale Innocence, Control, Death Stranding, Disco Elysium, and The Outer Worlds. I think it's awesome that Disco Elysium is in there. Um, That's definitely a backlog game for me. I, I really want to play that game. Yeah, I've heard it's amazing. I actually, yeah. I, I hope it wins some awards because it looks really, really cool. Uh, best mm-hmm. art direction, we have Control, Death Stranding, Gris, or Gris, Gris, however you want to say it, Sayonara, <laughs> Wild Hearts, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, and The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. I honestly think that either Sayonara and Gris deserves it. I think those games are beautiful um, versus... What I've seen of Death Stranding, it's a pretty game, but it doesn't look like anything special. Same thing right. for Control. Uh, Sekiro looks really interesting, but I, once again, I don't think it's super special. And Link's Awakening, I think, is more cute than it is, like, blowing me away with its art direction. Kind of yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, for best score and music, we've got Cadence of Hyrule, Death Stranding, Devil May Cry 5, Kingdom Hearts 3, and Sayonara Wild Hearts. I've heard a lot of people actually goof on the fact that one, Death Stranding is in so many categories, and two, that it is in the best score in music, because apparently it just doesn't have fantastic score, but... Well, you know, they're just trying to make it win at least somewhere. You know what also sucks, though, is that you know if Death Stranding wins, like, like... it, uh, one, if it wins Game of the Year, people will be annoyed about it, and they will say some yeah. shit about Jeff Keighley being involved. But if it oh, starts sure. to like clear house in these categories, which I I definitely think it'll be weird if it does for like mm-hmm. art direction. I don't think it should score. I don't think it should just compared to what it's going up against. But if it does, people are gonna get they're gonna be pissed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it would be kind of annoying because then it would just be like, why? This is not the Game Awards. This is the Death Stranding show with Jeff Keighley. Like, <laughs> we don't need that. That's not what that's not what we came here for. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see how the Game Awards actually goes this year. Like uh, how it's all put together. If Kojima's actually there, um, I'm wondering how much of it is going to be subdued around Death Stranding so mm. that people like aren't outraged about it. But also... Jeff Keighley's a big enough guy and the Game Awards are big enough. And I would say the Game Awards are... Uh, how am I going to say this? I, I feel like the Game Awards are... They're trustworthy. They don't seem to be, like, sketchy at all. Mm-hmm. It, it is a little weird that Death Stranding is in so many categories, but I don't think that's sketchy. I just think a lot of people played it. I think it was a big, like, right. cultural moment because it's Kojima's next game. So I think that's why it's in so many categories. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see the Game Awards. Um, also, they did say that uh, Jeff did say that in the Game Awards, there are going to be like big new game announcements and everything, just like last year. I'm super excited to see if there's more Dragon Age like there was last year, how they had that teaser trailer. I love Dragon Age. Um, so we've got <laughs> best audio design is Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Control, Death Stranding, Gears 5, Resident Evil 2, and Secure Shadows Die Twice. Um, I'm not a big, like, audio guy, so I'm... Yeah, neither am I. I mean, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, best. Plus, I, perf- I haven't really played a lot of these, to be honest. So. Yeah, me neither. That's why I'm not weighing in on a lot of them. Um, yeah. I weighed in on Game of the Year just as an observation. I don't know what I would actually choose as Game of the Year. My current mm-hmm. Game of the Year is actually Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, but I feel like that's also one probably has to do with recency. It's the game I literally True. played most recent. And two... Um, I I don't know. It's I love Star Wars, so I feel like I had a bias in general on that one. But a little bit, a little yeah. Bit. <laughs> um. So we've got best performance: Ashley Birch as Parvati Holcomb in The Outer Worlds. Um. Courtney Hope as Jesse Faden in Control. Laura Bailey as Kate Diaz in Gears Five. Mads Mikkelsen as Cliff in Death Stranding. Matthew uh, Peretta. I think as Dr. Casper Darling in control and Norman Reedus as Sam Porter Bridges in Death Stranding. Two people from Death Stranding in that one. Also two from Control, which is kind of cool. I actually think it's really cool that Control is featured in so many lists because it's not like... No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. uh, I was just going to say like... I think it's crazy. I mean, it actually makes a lot of sense that Control is so heavily featured. I was going to say it's a little crazy because... It has not featured on MPD. Like, it does not seem like this game is actually selling well, and some people have said it's bombed sales-wise because of it. Um, right. But but this is this is indicative of how the industry has yeah. taken to this game. I I hear a lot about this game because you know we we as uh, people doing this podcast and people just fans of video games in general. We listen to a lot of things, uh, read articles on websites that are dedicated to video games. But I feel like if I hadn't, I would know nothing of Control. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if the like the layman, just the standard gamers, were actually to have nominated games, this list would look entirely different. Right. Like, there would definitely... Like- it, w- it would be the games that people had played. So I imagine like FIFA would be more heavily mm-hmm. featured yeah, on here. Be a lot of sports games. Yeah, it would be sports games. It would be Call of Duty. I still think Super Smash Bros. would actually hit up there because it's so popular. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think it would definitely be 100% different. Um, so then we've got Games for Impact, Concrete Genie, Grease, uh, Kind Words, Life is Strange 2 and Sea of Solitude. I'm just going to kind of like shoot through these real quick. Um, Except (laughs) for when we get to like indie game and fucking fresh indie game. So dumb. Um, Best ongoing game, Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 14. Great game. Uh, Fortnite and Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. I only say great game because I've only played uh, Final Fantasy 14 and Destiny 2. And I've also played Fortnite, but I don't care much about it. So... Is that so? Here's our bread and butter best indie game. We got Baba Is You by um, and I don't know how to say this. Hempuli. Hem, uh, Hempuli. That's how you're supposed to say it. I'm assuming, but it's I would. I don't know. Hempuli. Sure, All right, cool. Uh, Disco Elysium by Z A U M. Uh, Katana Zero by ASCII Soft and Devolver Digital, Outer Wilds by Mobius Digital and Annapurna, and Untitled Goose Game by House House and Panic. So, who do you think will actually win this? Uh, I mean, the votes are coming from the inside, right? Like, as um, far as the actual game uh, award being given out, because I know there they are allow... certain ones that you can actually vote for. Let me check. Yeah, because, like, I, 
as an individual, I was able to go in and vote for like all of these categories, I believe, or a lot of them anyway. And I don't know if there's like a percentage that goes towards the the actual industry individuals or if it's, you know, more mostly weighed out on the public. Uh, and I think depending on which one is the case, you'll have slightly different outcomes. Um, if it's based on the industry, I think Outer Wilds would win. I hear that game a lot in many different... Um, Many different, you know, podcasts and sites that I listen to, and I've heard nothing but great things about it from a lot of people. Katana Zero, I've heard was good, but didn't feel, you know, like a complete package. Disco Elysium, I think is too new, especially because it came out in a time where a lot of games are available. And it's a much longer title, so I don't know if it's... I, I think it's kind of just going to get the brunt end of the stick plus it seems more niche like this is it's like an isometric role-playing game versus a lot of these other games like katana zero is much more action heavy uh baba is you is that kind of platform baba is you an untitled goose game those aren't really like actiony action as katana zero and maybe outer wilds is and even outer wilds i don't think is like that fast paced as all of them so I, i i wouldn't say it just for that but it is more niche in the the fact that I feel like these games lend themselves more to an accessible uh, audience for people to just pick up and play as opposed to Disco Elysium, which takes a lot of time and thought process of reading all of the different outcomes and actually playing into that role. Um, I really love Baba's You. I thought it was an amazing game, but I think it's honestly too hard and probably pushed a lot of people out at a certain point. Like, even me, who... uh, I reviewed the game and I got through a, like really far into it, but there was still a lot of challenges that I could not finish just because I'm a big dumb dumb. Uh, and then Untitled Goose Game, if it's to the popular vote, as in the public, I feel like that'll win just because it's a meme right now. Oh, okay. So just to give you a little bit of uh, context on how the winners are actually chosen, this is on the Game Awards website. Who selects the winners? Winners are determined by a blended vote between the voting jury, which is the actual like judges that are there, which gets mm-hmm. 90% of the vote, and then the public fan voting, which gets 10%. Fans uh. can vote for their favorite games uh, once every 24 hours on the GameAwards.com via google search whatever uh fan voting closes on this one and then they also have a section that says why don't fans completely choose the winners um they say creating a hundred percent van fan vote presents several challenges first given the same games are exclusive uh to one platform a public vote uh puts single platform games at an inherent disadvantage over multi-platform titles. In addition, it is important that winners cannot be socially engineered in any way. We want to find, uh, we find that a blended vote is the most credible and authentic way to select winners. So it's not mm. like not I, only the popular games get it is basically what that one's saying. I would agree with that, but not with a 90, 10% ratio. Yeah, that is a pretty weird ratio. Yeah, I, I would I, probably say like, 7525 Yeah, I think that would be more of a hey as the voter from the public you have a more substantial push on your like actual game that you want. But regardless, based on how it's set up, I think Outer Wilds will get it. 
Um, I, I will say, sorry, to go back to the, like, 90-10, I believe judges can actually only vote once, I'm assuming, whereas fans can vote right. for their favorite games every 24 hours. So yeah, you can but, vote as much as you fucking want, I guess. I, don't I know. mean, yeah, but it's still based on a percentage. So yeah. literally, if people vote 10 million times, it still will never be as substantial as the one vote from a judge. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. You'd have to do like freaking nine votes just to actually compare like your votes to compare to a judge, one judge's vote, which there are quite a few. Um, for me, for independent game, I think it'll come out to the Outer Wilds and Untitled Goose game. And I think the actual value of the game is going to come into question, like how much time you get out of the game. Um, mm. And so I think they'll actually give it to the Outer Wilds over the Untitled Goose game. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that it's not based on the amount of time, and I don't think that's what the judges will push for, but I think based on the experience as a whole, I think Outer Wilds probably, and granted, I have not played it, but from what I've heard, offers a much different experience than Untitled Goose Game, and in a lot of cases, I feel like the whimsical and you know carefree aspect of Untitled Goose Game is not as much as the layered amount of depth in Outer Wilds, and for that, they'll probably give it, you know, the best game for the year. Um, so just to kind of save a little bit of time, <laughs> I'm not going to go through the rest of these because holy shit, there's so many. I just want to get to the fresh indie game, which is sponsored okay. by Subway, by the way. Um, yeah. this I one, mean, a lot of these categories are esports based anyway. Yeah, so it's there's like out of our wheelhouse content like... creator, esports, like strategy game, family game. It's actually super funny because there's a thing right now where family game is literally all Nintendo, Dude, it's all Nintendo, and in the description, it's like does not uh like doesn't matter one specific platform like we try to pick from everything and it's like are you sure because uh (laughs) definitely just nintendo there yeah i guess it's like it's a little weird because nintendo's primarily known i would say as like a family game like yeah system but yeah it is a little weird uh so let's go to fresh indie game which on their website this is literally the only sponsored one that is so weird to me um, but this is fresh indie game, so it is basically like games, uh, the first game to come out of a new studio. That's what these are. So um, uh. you've got uh, ZAUM for Disco Elysium, uh, Nomada Studio for Greece, uh, Dead Toast Entertainment for My Friend Pedro, Mobius Digital for Outer Wilds, uh, Mega Crit for Slay the Spire, that's you, um, and House House <laughs> For Untitled Goose Game. Which one do you think actually gets it for fresh indie game? Can you read the description for me? Do you know, uh, like, off of the website, what the the definition of fresh indie game is? Um, I got to pull the website back up. <laughs> All right. That's, no, that's fine. That's fine. We don't have to do that. No, that, you so could just reason... vamp for a second while I look it up. <laughs> yeah, because my reasoning behind that is, like, fresh indie game as in, are we talking about the best game out of this group or are we talking about the most influential for a team to come out with that's you know fresh out of the gates because if it's that like the latter half i think it's definitely house house with untitled goose game because they started an uproar in uh all of you know social media and the internet from this one game that like if you know if this is their first in that sense then damn what a opening like regardless of the game itself like they created a movement 
Um, it seems to just be recognizing a new independent studio that released its first game in 2019. Yeah. So it I doesn't seem house. to have any specific categories. Yeah. Like, I love Slay the Spire, and I'm a big proponent of that game, but I think House House beats them in the just the amount of publicity that they caused, not even by themselves, but just by the internet, just loves this damn goose. Um, I think... I personally think it's probably going to go for a Disco Elysium, um, mostly just because it's... I think a lot of people are going to see it as really innovative and it mm. does a lot. Like it's, it's very unique, um, especially for a role-playing game where it's not necessarily like most role-playing games or like these CRPGs that you'd see would be like divinity, original sin and stuff like that. Like it's, it's these fantasy games or it's something similar where right. they're, they're, I don't know. I would say there's a large like combat component to it versus Disco Elysium is actually about a detective and you're like, from what I understand, your mind is actually a character as well as yourself. And there's a lot of really, really cool gameplay elements that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are in that game. So I think it's going to, I think it's going to be Disco Elysium just because mm-hmm. of how weird and like innovative it is over any of these other games. I mean, and I get that, but based on that description, I feel like it's less about the game and more about the studio coming into popularity and coming into, like, breaking, like, making a name for themselves, basically. Yeah. And it's hard to argue that House House isn't the top of the list for all of these just because if you were to talk about one of these games in specific to what had the most influential, like, blow-up moment... It's definitely House House and their untitled goose game. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And also I feel like a lot of the a lot more of the judges have probably played Untitled Goose Game than played. That's Disco also Elysium. a big thing, is I don't think like I said, the Disco Elysium came out at a time fairly recently where there's just so much to play right now that I feel like this is a backlog game for a lot of people. Yeah, before we actually go from this, I just want to say how awesome it is that so many indie games are actually featured in so many different categories. There's right. like of course, not in game of the year, which I think sucks. Um, I think at, at the very least, like, I don't know, maybe Outer Wilds should have maybe been in for game of the year just because I've heard so many amazing things about it. But once again, I haven't played it and I haven't played a lot of these games. Um, mm. But yeah, I, that uh, best game direction. I think it's amazing that it's featured in there. Uh, we've also got like mm. Disco Elysium, best narrative, Grease and best art direction. Uh, freaking like, there's just so many indie games featured in so many of these categories it's amazing i think that's awesome and i'm just gonna leave it there um our next news yeah, article sounds about right. <laughs> is on GameSpot. it's written by jordan ramey or ramey something like that is r-a-m-e-e but with an accent over the first e so i don't know how you're supposed to say that but uh for me <laughs> It is a former Mass Effect uh, slash Bethesda and uh, Sleeping Dogs dev founds new studio. Um, After leaving Bioware in 2017, former Mass Effect senior gameplay designer Manveer Air 
something like that. I don't know how to say this person's <laughs> name. Uh, said he wasn't getting out of game design entirely, um, but that he wanted to focus on new types of stories, ones that focused on diverse voices. Earlier this month, with a Medium po- blog post, uh, Air revealed that he has been working on an uh, on an indie studio called Brass Lion Entertainment. The team's first project is Corner Wolves, a narrative-focused game set in ni- in the 1990s Harlem. Uh, in an interview with Game Informer, Air spoke on the further details about the game. Uh, we definitely want to get the authenticity, Air told Game Informer. It, uh, it allows us to write a lot of different characters from lots of different backgrounds, so we can have lots of different lenses on the same problem to let the players kind of choose what angle they what angle they like to approach things from or what their thought process on how to solve these issues are um in corner wolves you play as and i do not know how to say this so i'm gonna i'm gonna say it's jacente but i don't know how to say that name it's j-a-c-i-n-t-e that's a cool name that's super cool um and Afro-Latino, a woman who works in her father's bodega only to arrive at the store one day to find him murdered. She decides to find out who murdered, um, who the mur- who his murderer is and discover the motives behind his death. Uh, Jacente is intelligent, so you can talk your way out of most of your problems you'll encounter in the game, but she can brawl in melee-based combat if needed. However, because of her race and economic status, you will have to learn how to handle certain people and how to adjust your vocabulary when encountering others. I, it seems like they're actually incorporating like racial bias and racism in a really right. interesting way in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think the inclusivity of everything that they're trying to do is really interesting. Um, I don't know much about this, so I'm not going to get too hyped about it yet. And there are some interesting, you know, people from interesting teams anyway, as far as like the Mass Effect and Bethesda. But I think it's interesting because from Bethesda, they call it a Bethesda dev, but it's a Bethesda environmental artist. Yeah, um, so Brass Lion, uh, Brass Lion was co-founded between Air, uh, a former Sleeping Dogs project manager, Bryna uh, Dabby, Smith and former. Do you think that's the actual middle name or like a nickname? I don't know. Maybe it's also Dobby. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, and <laughs> a former Bethesda environmental artist, uh, Rashad Reddick. Um, whereas Smith is primarily handling the business side of things, Reddick is building Corner Wolves in uh, in game world one that will feature an animate-inspired look. Uh, DJ and Jay Z producer Just Blaze has okay now i actually understand what that says it's the producer of those two people and i don't who the fuck is dj i don't know (laughs) it's just dj it's not like (laughs) dj somebody cool it's just dj um and jay-z producer just blaze has signed a contract with brass line to help design corner wolves magical tone uh magical musical musical. i'm so fucking stupid (laughs) and uh, rise of the black panther writer Evan uh, Narcis, maybe N A R C I S S E. A lot of, a lot of tough names in this yeah, article. There's, there's a decent amount. Uh, is penning the game story. This game 
it looks really cool. Um, yeah, they're like, I, I would say that these are devs. Like, they, they contribute to the development of the game. So right, for sure. Anybody but who like, does that, I would say, is a dev. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I would say even... Nah, I'm not going to say that PR is necessarily deve- devs because they de- mm. they don't develop the game itself, but they do develop the community around the game, which, you know, True, what would games but, be without the communities? Uh, well, you know. Uh, I mean, Broke. Uh, yes, that's true, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. But saying and Bethesda devs, like this is clearly a, a like eye-catching thing, but when I think of Bethesda as far as like the worlds i mean i mean i guess because i'm thinking of fallout from bethesda and when i think of fallout it's not really the world that excites me as far as the environmental aspect to it it's more of the the actual gameplay and the the story and the mechanics that are in there um so i don't know if really the the headline of like hey these random people from teams part of it excites me but i do find the actual content and the themes that they're trying to go about, that is the part that's interesting to me. I think what would have been a lot nicer would actually have been to kind of like say specifically what game they worked on. So like they do say that for one of them, who is the project managers on, on sleeping dogs or the previous project manager, but otherwise they didn't. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that might've been different because maybe this environmental artist actually worked on like the Elder Scrolls games, or maybe they worked on something entirely different. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Maybe they actually like fucking freelanced, uh, to help <laughs> arcane make prey or something. I don't know. Uh-huh, like there's a lot of different things that these people could have done. So yeah, the, the headline is a little bit weird, but I think yeah. this game is really cool. I, I think it's really awesome that it seems like Brass Lion Entertainment is actually like trying to focus on making games that are about kind of like giving voices to minorities. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about this. I'm excited to see what this game ends up being, especially because it seems to like it 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 seems to heavily incorporate uh, racial bias and racism. I think that'll be really cool. The only game that I've seen do anything similar to that and this is not at all similar really but mm-hmm. how in uh south park the the fractured butthole and i don't know about the stick of truth your difficulty uh the, the one you chose was actually based on your skin yeah. color yeah <laughs> so that's that's really the only one that i would say that i can think of at the this very moment that your race actually did something in a game um, so I think it's really I mean, cool that this one is kind of based on that. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that RPGs have done that in the past, like things, uh, you know, to the nature of, oh, you're an elf. Yeah. And because you're an elf, they're going to treat you differently. But I think it's it's an interesting world when you put it in a real human perspective and you put the races into something that happens in everyday life. Yeah, yeah. With this one, though, it doesn't, like... I see what you're saying with the whole like elf thing. Um, pretty much all it ch- it's ever seemed to change in RPGs is they might say something, but it doesn't actually change anything gameplay wise. Where it seems like this, you actually have to kind of watch the way you handle certain characters because of your race. So mm. I'm assuming the cops are going to be a big part of this. Um, Maybe where yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to see where this goes, uh, but I think it's about time for us to get into news cramp, considering we're uh, 
an hour and a half into this podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is a long one. Uh, I definitely attribute this to me rambling about Pokemon for way too long. It's cool. I said uh, we fucking talked about the Game Awards forever. <laughs> <laughs> damn you, Keeley. You and that damn Death Stranding. There's just so many. It's all good. Let's do it. Cram time. <laughs> different right. every time it's awesome uh i know i i'm kind of like sometimes i think about it and i'm like one day i'm not gonna know what to do yeah you're gonna run out of ideas and you're just gonna yeah. blank and you're like cram. <laughs> you're like it's news cram <laughs> uh news cram is our weekly wrap-up segment where we the hosts of indie incursion and indie games podcast cram you full of all sorts of awesome indie games news uh this week in news cram we have a bunch of awesome uh cool like bits of new stuff we don't have any new stories or any new deals uh but first we've got uh we're over on polygon where it's reported that perpetually in development dwarf fortress is getting a new update which includes a new enemy type called infiltrators who as the name suggests will infiltrate and begin to sow the seeds of deceit within your ranks sadly there is no release date yet been set for this new update have you ever played dwarf fortress i know it actually came up on the classic gaming podcast have you ever played it uh i know of it i haven't actually like played it played it though uh, something that I found so weird in this article was they specified that one of the upcoming updates actually gives Dwarf Fortress graphics. And I was like, yeah, hmm, that's pretty crazy. What? I had like never seen this game before. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Uh, most people didn't either. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and secondly, <laughs> the Stardew Valley is receiving a patch gearing towards some fan service and bug fixes in the endgame, including features like the ability to take a picture of your entire farm and more. Uh, patch 1.4 uh. is scheduled to release on November 26th on PC. Now we're moving over to Twinfinite, where it's reported that cult hit survival game Rust is headed to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One sometime in 2020. Uh, now over on Nintendo Life, where it's written that Dick Decay of Logos' previously delayed Switch port has finally been given a release date of November 28th. And lastly, IGN reports that both Shovel Knight Showdown and King of Cards uh, were given a release date of December 10th and will release simultaneously with the physical copy of Shovel Knight Treasure Trove, the Shovel Knight 3 Amiibo pack featuring, uh, I believe, King Knight, Specter Knight, and Plague Knight, and mm -hmm. uh, the limited gold edition of Shovel Knight uh the amiibo big Crazy. stuff yeah it's yeah. a lot of stuff there's a whole lot of shit going on with that one i'm super excited to finally get my amiibos i pre-ordered that like two years ago dude well it's finally time hell yeah i'm gonna get that plague knight amiibo he's so cute so mm -hmm. say this little witch doctor with little bottles i'm super excited uh but of course big josh boy we've been blessed with so many amazing indie games news stories that i think it's about time we give back to the creators in our segment god bless the crowd uh this is where the biggest of ours, Josh Boys, goes into all That's sorts me. of different crowdfunding sites, find us some awesome indie games to talk about, and we do so. Uh, this mm -hmm. week, we've got one called The Curse of Annabelle, a story-driven adventure puzzle game featuring horror and mystery elements. This one is over on Kickstarter. It's a spooky one. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be honest. I was watching the trailer, and I was like, man, this trailer's not scary at all. And then it started whispering, and I was like, fuck this trailer. I don't want to listen to it anymore. I'm done. I, like, pulled out one <laughs> headphone. I was like, I'm not into this. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that this wasn't going to go as well from your side of things because I was like, I know you're not generally, like, a spooky game. I'm kinda. a bitch. 
is what yeah. I am. <laughs> so, and I, I, to be honest, like I was watching this and I was watching some gameplay in the trailer. One, one thing before we get into that, this trailer, actually, I feel like I wish you could have. Did you watch like the full thing? Yeah. Yeah. I watched the whole thing. Okay. I feel like they did a good job. Like the, you usually start with shitting all over Kickstarter <laughs> trailers, but I think this was perfect. It was a good amount of like, this is a legit game trailer. It went a little bit long, but then it also adds after you actually see both the cinematic, the actual gameplay to it. Then they have, you know, someone actually talking and being like, Hey, this is what our team is doing. This is who we are. And this is why we're trying to start a Kickstarter. So I think it had everything you need in those, uh, like three, four minutes of content. So good on them for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually th- also really enjoy that at the end of Kickstarter trailers when they have the developer come up and talk. Um, yeah. The only time I don't like that is when they say slay the spire six million fucking times. <laughs> I th- well, because like the thing with Kickstarters is like, I feel like if you're not doing that, you're doing it wrong. Like I get the fact that you should let the game speak for itself and there is some warrant to that, but I think there should also be an element of presenting yourself as an actual person because you as a consumer obviously wants to know what your money is going to and if you are giving the person that insight into hey this is our world this is what we're working on like we're trying to develop this for you if you want us to basically and i think that humanistic element of it makes it much more uh, enticing to actually put money down for something because you're like, oh, I want to help these developers help me get an experience that I want. Yeah, it gives them a face kind of a right, thing. Exactly. Like you're you're more likely to back. A, I feel like you're more likely to back a game when you see that kind of stuff because you're like, oh, there actually are people behind this video game that right. are doing some awesome stuff. I do think it's really cool that the developers themselves, since they're so small, were actually doing their own kind of like 3D rigging. Like yeah, they, yeah, they were doing crazy. their own performances. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, this is like this is one of those things where I was watching this and when you look at Kickstarter games, it's generally, you know, pixel platformers or just general 2d type games because those are easier to make and i don't want to try to say that they're you know easier in the sense of anyone can do it but they are they just don't have acting right it's not that full-fledged so many things that go into there's a lot of working elements especially if you're trying to do those real 3d elements and then make that work in the actual game itself And that's really rare to come by in independent individuals, especially for this team who is, it seems, you know, like, obviously they're from other areas, but fairly on their own with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, To give you guys a little bit of background, their goal is $16,786. They have 92 backers uh, with 10,216 already backed. They only have eight days left to go. So if you guys are horror games fans, uh, make sure you at least check out this Curse of Annabelle Kickstarter. By the time this goes up, they'll only have um, like six days left. So I'd recommend checking it out. The entry Mm -hmm. level is only like $16, which I don't think is that bad. Um, no, I will say, so I'm not going to hundred percent shit on this trailer. The only thing uh, I actually have a problem with this in this trailer is that it does not say anything about the story other than, and this is a game that is a story driven adventure puzzle game, right? He literally only says one thing about it at the end. 
he says that it's about like these people who go into this house and there's this malevolent force that's existed before the earth did. That's basically all you get about the story, which then you like, of course, it's featured on their Kickstarter page. But I feel like if developers included both story and gameplay, I mean, also depending on what kind of game they're making. But if you are making a story driven adventure puzzle game, you should probably heavily feature the story. (laughs) That's just a little bit weird. Um, The story is actually uh, Annabelle, a nine-year-old girl, dies mysteriously on uh, Ramsey Mountain Grounds uh, in Boulder, Colorado, which that is the weirdest way to write that. Ramsey Mountain, uh, comma, grounds in Boulder Mountain. Mansion. Yeah, mansion, ma- mansion not mountain, sorry. Um, after her death, Annabelle's older sister, Emily, began to have weird dreams about her. After a while, Emily realizes that these are not just her mind playing tricks on her and decides to tell her boyfriend, Nathan, about the dreams and then begins to investigate her little sister's death. Uh, as the story unfolds, Nathan realizes that Emily was much more intrigued by the history of this so-called Ramsey Mansion uh, and its occultism and... Uh, association with the mystic arts by following her footsteps Nathan embarks on a mysterious adventure Um, I will also say I don't think that's an amazing way to describe the story of your game (laughs) just because it's kind of weird and ambiguous it's like she dies and then her sister gets weird dreams (laughs) I mean granted I'm sure when you actually play the game there's more yeah, uh, I think it's... It. They're just trying to strategically make it ambiguous to be like, hey, there's something interesting here and we use, you know, these creepy elements. Yeah, so. it's it It seems really, really interesting, I will say. Um, I, I don't think that it's a great description of what the story is seemingly supposed to be, but I do think it's, like, really cool. It sounds really interesting. Um, another critique I have, that font is the hardest fucking thing to read ever. I do not like that <laughs> font at all. It looks yeah. real creepy, but it is so hard to read. Just like make the font size bigger or something. Like yeah. it's so tiny and I it's agree. so loopy, which sounds weird. It's so like loopy. It's the weirdest fucking font. It's really cool and it is kind of like this darker font that you would expect to see somebody writing with like a fucking quill and like mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. little bottle of ink, but it just it's very hard to read. That's that's all I have to say about that. Um, yeah, this, I agree. So what do you feel about this game? Because it seemed like you were actually more into this game. So, I mean, I am in the sense of... I think this definitely has a lot of potential. And horror games, I don't play them very often. But one of the things I do enjoy, especially if this is a more story-driven and not as crazy with mechanics, which is kind of what it seems like... I love playing games like this with a big group of people because it's a lot of fun, especially to watch someone go through it and to be the person with the controller and to switch off and have to play this game together. Um, And I think this is a good, uh, this game has a good potential for being something in that type of genre of there's a lot of fun that you could have. And if it's an interesting story, then great. It's kind of like watching an interactive movie. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah. It seems like there will actually be some gameplay sections of this and seemingly some inventory management because yeah. you can, like, combine different elements to make different things. Um, and in the actual trailer, something that it did feature, not the story, but it did actually feature mm-hmm. gameplay, which looked kind of cool, like you were using different spells. Yeah, I'm not too sure exactly what that was, but you do have some kind of, like, you're reading off a book, so it seems like you're reading some and. Uh, some kind of cantation to do something against these evil spirits or whatever is attacking you. Yeah, yeah. It's this game looks really interesting. I like its occult themes. Um, I'm not a big like horror guy, so I probably won't play it myself. But if you mm-hmm. are, I would recommend it. And horror games are really a big deal now. Like it's kind of yeah. weird. Um, like even seeing it in our like in our episodes, like when we feature horror games in the titles, like in the thumbnails of stuff, they actually get quite a bit of traction on, um, on YouTube, like our Bendy and the ink machine episode, that one like did fairly well. It seems like the ones where we talk about horror games actually do really well. So I would Mm -hmm. say that there's like a, there's a, like a cult following for horror games that really just wants more. So well, we'll just retitle ourselves to Indie Spook Cursion. Yeah, and maybe we should have done that for October. <laughs> well, now we know what to do next year. That's a oh, good We could point. still do something for Christmas or the holidays, since I don't want to be specific to one. Uh, so uh, what would it be? Indie, I don't know. It's kind of weird because it's Indie Incursion. And it, indie, indie Fest, Fest Cursion, Festive Fest- uh, indie incursion of fest- festive indie games podcast. <laughs> no, it's so stupid. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll 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 think about that one. We'll so, would you would you recommend people back this game? Any last uh, thoughts on it? I think it looks super cool. I I hope they make it. They're six k away from it. Basically, um, they've only got ninety two backers. But I think it has potential. I want to see them succeed. Um, And they've only got a few days left, so it's now or never. Uh, I think that's the thing is if you're into horror and this sounds pretty cool to you, I think it's uh, a good choice. But then again, I always put that preface that Kickstarter is, you know, a gamble in some choices. But uh, it looks fun to me anyway. All right. Good place to end that on. So let's wind down this podcast and hop into some random questions chris penwell wrote in and asked us which indie dev and which movie series should team up to make a game maybe the hotline miami dev should make a die hard game so big josh boy what two would you choose and so we just talked to, a little yeah, yeah i was gonna say talk- just to be clear we did not do movies because movies are a little bit harder <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, first off, I'm not really much of a movie guy anyway. I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, there's something about sitting down in front of something for, which is kind of weird because I don't really like movies because it's generally like that two to three hour giant chunk. Whereas I more enjoy having things from like a Netflix or a streaming service where it's like that thirty minute. I can consume it in just small chunks or big chunks depending on how I want but I have this thing where I can't once I start watching something I hate stopping like my wife has this thing where she'll end up getting sleepy and she'll be like all right well let's stop watching and I'm like no 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 no. you can't do that 
you have to watch through. Like, I don't know. It's just weird, and I don't like committing to so long. It's very strange. Uh, yeah, stopping in the middle of a movie is kind of weird, but stopping at the end of an episode is easy. Yeah. So it's like I just I enjoy that pace, uh, pacing better. And generally, I just don't watch a lot of the the more popular movies that are coming out lately. So instead, I went with a TV series. Um, long-winded answer to get there. But <laughs> I decided uh, to do something that's already technically been done, um, but has never had a good one, at least in my eyes. I'd love... So I'm a big fan of Adventure Time. I've always loved the series. I think it's an awesome cartoon that has a lot of good elements to it that... Um, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll, go, I'll still stick with Adventure Time. But... Um, <laughs> I love the series, and I think what would be really cool is to have someone like WayForward do a indie game on the Adventure Time series. Because Adventure Time, all their games are generally very clunky. They're very, like, uh, what you would think of when you think of TV to video games. There was a lot of that back in the 90s of, like, every series from uh, on TV had a game. Home Improvement had a video game. For some reason. No fucking way. There is yeah. not a home improvement video yes, game. There is, and it's awful. Anyway, so so like I would love to see them do that because they first off, WayForward is an exceptional team. They've done a lot of good stuff. Uh Shante in general is just an amazing series. But other than that, they took um specifically the remastered version of DuckTales. And I loved what they did with it. It was such a good game. And I think they have the knack for 2D platform uh, games in general. And I think you could make something really cool with the wackiness and creative, unique side of Adventure Time to build something into that. Oh my my fucking God. Home Improvement Power Tool Pursuit is a 2D action platformer for the fucking Super Nintendo. (laughs) Yeah, dude, it was a terrible game. Dude, like everything had a video game back then in that era. Like there was there was also one for like Beethoven, the like the not the piano guy but like the, the dogs, like Beethoven. I remember specifically just being a dog and trying to jump through that. Like Cool Spot had a video game. <laughs> the guy from 7 Up, I think it was. Like, their little logo had a video game that I played back in the day. To be fair, we didn't exactly break away from that, considering Sneaky King exists, so... I mean, yeah, but that's that's a little different. <laughs> uh, so, for me, which indie dev and movie series? I did not choose a movie series. Um, Sorry, I Chris. chose... Uh, the anime adaptation of Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai, which was Samurai 7. I don't know why they actually changed it. Um, that is <laughs> one of my favorite anime. I have never actually watched uh, the movie itself. I think it came out in like 1954. I've never actually watched it, but I really, really love the anime. And I think Sabotage Studios, the developer behind The Messenger, could make a really, really cool Samurai 7 game. Um, just like literally the fucking messenger but with seven different samurai i don't know exactly how it would work considering the messenger doesn't really feature multiple characters to switch between um but yeah i really love that anime Mm -hmm. and i wish there was a game based on it um also metabots just make another fucking game make a good game like (laughs) that's all i want is a great metabots game guys just make a great one and bring it to the united states instead of shoehorning it in japan 
Nope. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, I basically convinced my fiance that we should go to Japan for, like, mm. a part of our honeymoon. And I feel like half of that was probably so I could buy a Metabots game that I can't buy in the <laughs> United States. I mean, good luck, I guess. <laughs> Uh, Chase Hopkins, frequent writer, as well as Chris Benwell, writes in and says, uh, you have a time machine. Only two caveats is it can only go back in time or f- into the future. The machine only lets you watch the events. No interaction. Which version do you want and what would you do first? So just to mm. clarify, you have to choose a time machine. You can either go backwards in time or forwards. So any amount of time you want, just backwards or forwards, um, you have to choose one and you can only watch. You can't change any events. You can't do anything. And he also added a caveat that you cannot record it in any way. It is just for your viewing. Gotcha. I mean, you could still technically use the information. Like if you went into the future, found out lottery numbers, you could come back and use the lottery numbers. You just couldn't record it. So you'd have to like freaking put it in your dumb, dumb brain. I mean... I feel like my dumb, dumb brain can remember like five numbers. Uh, my dumb, dumb brain cannot. I would be like, sweet, I've got the fucking lottery numbers. And then I'd be fucked because I would forget them. And I'd well, probably I forget keep... what day somebody figured it out. I mean, yeah. I would just keep going forward until the numbers are real easy to remember. Ah, so which one would you choose, backwards or forwards? And uh, what would you want to do first? What would you want to look at first? Hmm. I don't know. I actually, I don't know why, but I didn't really think about this one. <laughs> really? I, um, <laughs> I think I would definitely choose forward because, I mean, we kind of know for the most part what's happened in the past for many things. I think it would be interesting to go in the past to see how evolution actually worked. Um, or see if it did work. You know, or if it did work, you know, if you don't believe in it, I mean, I'm just saying everyone can have their own opinion. You could go into um, the future to see if vaccines really cause autism. Mm-hmm. That would also be interesting. Yeah. I'd like to see, uh, you know, how long the planet actually holds up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, <laughs> when do we actually die? <laughs> actually? Yeah. When is, when does our sun go out or when does, you know, the ozone just get, fucked up and heat raves destroy us all you know it'd be interesting to know what year because then then it would be an easy like oh should i feel bad about having kids or is it like generations away where it's like well you know they just can't have grandchildren children (laughs) you just like tell them on your deathbed you're like don't have kids they're gonna die they're gonna die (laughs) they all die i don't know why i picked up a bad habit of smoking somewhere in there (laughs) so which one did you choose backwards or forwards uh yeah i think i'm gonna go forwards Ah. forwards for sure i'm still unsure about what i would do exactly because it's hard because you would want to go to the future obviously because there's well not obviously but i would want to go to the future because it's something new and it would be interesting to see because like it would be crazy to see in a hundred or a thousand years how technology has advanced and how we have changed as a society um but because of the fact that things change so rapidly like you really have no idea what like how far you would need to go or what you would want to see because like think about a hundred years ago no one in their right mind would have thought we were today like like the the concept of a podcast a hundred years ago is ridiculous how fucking crazy would it be if you're like forward i choose the one that goes forward you go five days into the future and everything's wiped out you're like what the fuck like i didn't need to know this (laughs) 
I mean, that would suck, too. I just fucked myself. See, that's the thing that sucks about the future, is that you know the future. You're going to, like, end up learning things that you never wanted to know. Like, how you die, or, like, if your friend really is an asshole, or just, like, any of these things. I mean, that's why I would only go, like, a hundred plus years into the future. I'd never go too soon, because, yeah, I don't want to know anything about what's going to happen with me. Like, you know, granted, you could find out things, and change the course of your life in certain ways but like the the understanding of oh i know when i'm gonna die or how i'm gonna die is super nerve-wracking <laughs> i would never want that i'd rather just go out and just be like i'm gone as opposed to being like well i know on tuesday uh something's gonna happen to me <laughs> like no you can't live with that kind of pressure <laughs> so ideally i would choose forward for a couple reasons um the first being what I would do first if I chose the future, I would see there was ever a time where I tricked or trapped Josh in some sort of like Buffalo Bill scenario where he legally changes his name to the biggest <laughs> of average Josh boys. I would like Never. to see if that ever happens. Um, I'd like to see if uh, Kat Denning, the actress, ever falls in love with me, even though there's like a 10-year age difference. That would be cool. Also never. Yeah, probably never. It's never going to happen. There's a lot of things I would like to see in the future. Um, But in reality, because I'm such a petty person, I would choose the past because I would Mm. like to win more arguments. And most of my arguments are about what people say and what they said. So I would definitely choose the past. I mean, yeah, but you can't, like, they can't go with you, can they? Like, is it only you can use the time machine, or are you going to be like, fuck you, get in my time machine, we're going to look at who's wrong? That's a good point. Well, I mean, yeah, they could just accuse you of being a liar, but let me give some context to this. There's something that happened when I was a child that since then has been blamed on me, and I don't know how, but... My brother, when he was a kid, love him to death, great person, now, before, bit of a turd, and he hung off of the sink and tried to poop into the toilet but pooped into the trash can. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was widely known in my family that he did it. But within the past couple years, the narrative has somehow shifted like revisionist history that I did. And I don't know how. Uh, Yeah, timelines are funny like that. Yeah, and I would like to be like, dude, I have a fucking time machine. I went back. I saw your cheeks slide a turd out into the trash can. It was not me. But yeah, of course, if nobody else can use your time machine, you'd just be a liar. That's true. So, Chase, we have to find out, can we actually use it with other people or just us? That's a good point. An added caveat. Can you take yeah. people with you? That's true. Also, That's a good one. super gross. Could I take Kat Denning with me so that she knows that she'll eventually love me? Did you hear me at all? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I didn't hear you either. <laughs> 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 oh, that's hilarious then. Well, <laughs> I said super gross that you wanted to br- uh, watch your brother take a shit. Yeah, I also uh, said asked if I could take Kat Denning with me so that she would know whether or not she falls in love with me. Mm. So, you know, like if she did, know. then I'd be like, you might as well just now because it's going to happen eventually. True, true. 
Also, uh, you know, you talk all about like the Binding of Isaac world not being your kind of thing, but uh, you talk about poop a lot more than I do. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah, I talk about poop in an abstract way. Binding of Isaac is gross. (laughs) There's just poop everywhere. There's like corn (laughs) in it. Upper deckers are... Obviously, See, just abstract and not gross at all. Upper deckers are authentically hilarious. Authentically. It is it is just funny that upper deckers exist. That some asshole decided that the best thing that they could do is poop in the tank of a toilet. That is genius. That is comedic genius. But Blech. drawing poop all the time is weird. Okay, I guess that's where we draw the line. <laughs> I think Ed McMillan is an amazing person, but he draws poop all the time. And I don't know why. That's a little weird. <laughs> uh, and our last question comes in from What the Famicom, a gaming podcast, who I think is actually part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. But I'm going to be honest, I don't 100% know. So check out this podcast anyway, whether it is or isn't. Seem to be cool people. They wrote into our podcast, even though nice. it's the question that it is has there ever been an indie game about indiana jones indie during or driving in the indy 500 would you say that there is uh based on my knowledge of indie games i would say no but it sounds like an interesting premise (laughs) they're like this is the indiest of indie games if anything if this game actually exists or if it's going to exist, then there should be a new category in the game awards that's most indie-est. indie game. Yeah, most <laughs> the indiest of indies. <laughs> and that's this true. would be the only game that has ever won it. There would be no other games in the category until its sequel and then that would win it. Yeah. I mean, that's a fresh indie if I ever heard it. <laughs> also, right. Wouldn't the licensing be just god awful to work for? Yeah, the Indy 500 and Indiana Jones. Yeah, like what a mess that would be to try to legally get to be like, hey, can we do this? And they would both like both parties from the legal teams would be like, why? What are you trying to accomplish? (laughs) Yeah, there would also be the added caveat that like there's a. Uh, for a while, I guess DC wouldn't allow uh, like Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman to be shown um, in certain ways. Like, I mm. guess when people were writing Superman, like Superman can't do drugs or something like that. Like, he can't do certain things. And I imagine the same thing, similar things apply to Indiana Jones. So maybe mm. they'd be like, Indiana Jones can never be a Nazi. But the, so then they can never like make a cart design where he's driving the Indy 500 in an alternate universe where it turns out he was actually a Nazi. Wow. What a twist. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things to think about with this question. Thank you. What the Famicom and gaming podcast. That's about it for this episode of Indie Incursion and Indie Games podcast. Suck it. What the Famicom. We're cooler. Uh, uh, whoa. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> What's with all these changes in heart here? <laughs> uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys like the show, make sure to give us a good rating on iTunes. Leave us a review. They're super nice and they're super fun. Um, The most recent one I saw was maybe Chase, maybe not. And it just said, (laughs) keep it up. So whoever you are out there in the ether, whether you exist or not, thank you. We will keep it up. You're a nice guy. Super nice. Yeah. Seem to be. I definitely don't think it's Chase Hopkins at all. There's no way because... It might not be, you know, like Mm. 
there's two sides of that coin 50 50 chance if i guess wrong i'm fucked you know it's so, true yeah there's that and it's terrible when you're wrong you know what happens that's true that's why i would choose the past so i could go back and see if i was right and then i could but wouldn't you you can also just go into the future couldn't you yeah but then if i was wrong initially if i went into the future it's possible that he never admits that it's him versus the past mm. i could go into the past see that little bitch write his art write his review and i'd be like i fucking saw you dude i saw you and i have a time machine and i don't know why i keep telling people that i have a time machine because i feel like it's gonna fuck with some sort of government entity they'll be like hey let's see who actually did this bombing or let's see this mm. other shit let we got to take it away from you because aliens actually exist and we don't want anybody to see that shit we don't want anybody to see that like a hundred people in Naruto ran to Area 51, you know? Like, maybe this is all just propaganda. Maybe we live in a machine. Nobody knows. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you guys would like to chat with us outside the show. Whoa, what just happened? <laughs> you can follow the podcast at IndiePod, where we put out our questions thread. Talk about weird shit, I guess. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to do more stuff on there. I promise I will. Yeah. Um, but I've been seeing it. You've been doing a great job. Yeah. I uh, I feel like a pretty shitty person because I do nothing. <laughs> uh, you guys can follow me at Hyde Legion on Twitter. You can follow Josh at the underscore George ninety. Uh, make sure once again to check out our episode and just the podcast in general of the Classic Gaming Podcast for our podcast. Easily, we'll get you through a workday. We talk about a bunch of stuff. Upper Deckers also come up on there. Not saying it was my fault. Just saying they come up. So definitely your also fault. subway comes up. You know what? I didn't even realize that until really? right now. Yeah. That's also why I fear subways now. Oh I'm yeah. That's to right. go into subway. Well, I mean the indie games are sponsored by them. So you're always going to be haunted. Oh my God, dude. Upper deckers are going to follow me everywhere. That's true. It's your, uh, it's your future. Holy shit. Maybe I shouldn't use the time machine. I really want to know if Kat Denning ever falls in love with me though. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and we will see you guys next week. Bye, guys.